Welcome to another episode of Manny Talks. This is Manny De La Cruz, and I want to thank you very much for, again, coming back and taking the time to listen to this podcast. Before we get started today, I want to send out a, a special shout out to all of the graduating classes of 2020. What a weird year for y'all. Uh, but uh, b- before you know it, and I know it's easy for me to say, but before you know it, this uh, too will pass and it'll be uh, just a, a one sentence conversation at some point as you tell the rest of your story, hopefully, because at the end of the day, what's going to really take uh, precedence is all the accomplishments that you will uh, accomplish. God, maybe one too many accomplishments there, but I, I digress. Uh, really, but still think it's worth saying congratulations uh, on all of the hard work is uh, has paid off and you are graduated. And yes, there's uh, some challenges ahead of you, but uh, don't forget to reach out to people like me people that uh, I interview here or other people in your network that are willing and definitely wanting to help you out. Today we have a special guest with us, uh, William Gonzalez, uh, known to some as the Shep guy. He, if you are in Region 5, no doubt that you know who William Gonzalez is. He is a huge proponent for minority recruiting and development. Uh, and, and he is one of these very passionate individuals that wants to help you, whether it's uh, as an early professional or as a student. Um, if you are in SHIP, uh, he contributes a lot of his success to SHIP, and you've probably seen him around. When I first moved to Houston, he was definitely a person that I met, and I said, ah, this guy is somebody that I want to work with. So that's who we have the chance to talk to today, and I hope, as always, that you enjoyed this conversation as much as I enjoyed making it. So, William Gonzalez, man, thanks uh, for very much for finally, uh, well, I guess, first of all, being patient. I've tried to schedule this thing a couple of times, and I kind of think I, I I just completely uh, goofed on you for a little bit, but uh, that was pre-COVID-19, and of course, we're going to get into that, but I wanted to thank you for making yourself available today, man. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me, and, and don't worry about it, the between COVID and, and work and, and ship and, and just the life, it's been hectic. So I'm not too worried. I'm just happy that we were able to schedule some time to, to get this done. Yeah, me too, man. So one of the things that, one of the reasons that you're on my list of people to talk to, uh, talk to you about, and I guess I didn't even tell you this in the pre-conversation we just had, but like, look, man, I'm, I'm huge about helping out the student more than anything else than getting involved in the politics of an organization or like the politics of work. And so, uh, there's very, I guess there's a lot of people that you'll meet that say, hey, yeah, that's what they're about. But I think there's fewer people that actually put, you know, put their put their money where their mouth is. And when I first moved to Houston, uh, you were one of those people that I first met. And I'm like, ah, this is one of the guys that, that really means it. So anyway, so that's why you're on my shortlist. So let's start with the basics. So uh, tell us uh, who you are, where you come from. Who is uh, William Gonzalez? Uh, you got it. You got it. Absolutely. So, uh, my name is Olivia Gonzalez and I'm from Florida. I uh, was born in Miami to Nicaraguan immigrants who came over, um, during their civil war in the eighties. Um, and I have two brothers. My younger brother actually graduated today from industrial engineering. So now my parents are 
the proud owners of three industrial engineers uh, that are first generation college students. That's, um, that's awesome, man. Congrats. <laughs> thank you. Um, and I'm super excited for my younger brother, but we, uh, I studied at the University of South Florida, um, from 2012 to 2017. And before that, I spent, uh, most of my childhood from the age of 12 to 18 in Ocala, Florida growing up. So it's a small town, very different from Miami. Um, not only in culture, but demographics of the people. So like I got this, uh, the both views of the Hispanic world from Miami. And then when you leave Miami, you're like, whoa, what is this blonde hair? This is so weird. Um, so I was, I was seeing it all. And I, w- I went to the University of South Florida. And, and when I got there, I joined SHIP my first year. And SHIP was like this familia study group, this, uh, this organization to, to help others, this organization to do community service. Uh, and then I, I also heard they're going to be able to help me get an internship. Like there, there were so many things that I had no idea about and that I needed to develop that they were offering. And I was like, Hey, freshman year, I got time. I'm taking these classes. Let's figure it out. Let's just, let's just go with this organization and see how it goes. And I fell in love with the organization. Um, eight years later, still actively involved. Um, and in those eight years, there's been two internships at Eden Corporation. There's been two internships at Northrop Grumman. There, there's been now two and a half years of work at, uh, Rockwell Automation. There's been, uh, summer, uh, research opportunities. There's been presidencies, informal, formal leadership roles. There, there's been so many things with SHIP, uh, that I think have helped me develop in my ability to communicate with people, my critical thinking skills, my teamwork skills, and all those what they call soft skills. So, so SHIP was a big part of that. Um, and I know I'm talking about SHIP a lot, but in my life, I think after my sophomore year of college, I was known as like the SHIP guy. Like I, I was just always doing the SHIP stuff. Yeah. And I, <laughs> and you just kind of become that person on campus. So, um, when I graduated, I actually kept uh, being involved with SHIP National and I started hosting events at the national convention to be able to help them, uh, generate corporate sponsorship. So that was good. And then I was like, okay, well, I'm doing that at the national convention. What can I do in Houston? So after I think eight or nine months of being here, elections came up and I was able to run for student affairs coordinator position. And it's been a good ride this past year. It's been working with the local universities, the community colleges, connecting them with people like you, Manny, that want to volunteer, that want to give them real experiences of, hey, this is this is what I did. This is how I got to where I'm at. This is what you get, what I recommend you guys do. These are some skills that I want to show you guys. And people that are willing to make that, that time, effort, commitment, I value those people. And I'm always looking for those people because there's so many chapters. And obviously, I only have so much time. So, so, so there you go, guys. A five minute episode. Uh, you can go ahead and get a hold of William Gonzalez on LinkedIn. No. <laughs> I mean, look, <laughs> man, this, this is exact, this is exactly why I wanted to talk to you, right? And you talked about being the ship guy and, and for sure, uh, you know, you, you can tell, uh, you know, there's, you go to these conventions and there's a tons of people and, and, and like we went to the, to the RLDC five and uh, region five and, you know, there were several hundred people, but there's a few rock stars and you're one of those people. So, so, so let, let's, let's, uh, before, before we get too far, cause I want to make sure that I hear about, uh, uh, you know, that, that's, that's, 
great stuff. And we're going to get more into to some of these things that you talked about. But I want to focus on where do you currently work at uh, the degree? Or, so first of all, the kind of engineer that you are, where do you work at and what, do, what does a day like uh, look like for you there at Rockwell? Absolutely. So um, I studied industrial engineering at the University of South Florida, graduated in 2017. And I started, uh, that was December 2017. And then January 2018, I started in what Rockwell calls their sales training program, which is where they train their account managers for nine months on products, services, customers, uh, and how we do business. So this was a really good program just to, to kind of get in the field experience to learn how I'm going to be able to work. Um, and one of my mentors worked at, at Rockwell. So he, he's one of the ones, one of the reasons that, uh, that I, I kind of went to Rockwell, but my role every day is, is different. Um, and outside of COVID, um, uh, it's pretty, I'm going to say spontaneous, which kind of goes with, with who I am. Um, my job is to support at the moment, 15, uh, customers, uh, between their headquarters and their plants in the greater Houston area and a little bit outside of Houston. So let's call it the two hour radius within Houston okay. or around Houston. And I go to plants. I, I see what they're doing. Uh, a lot of the plants are looking at reliability. Uh, they're looking at support. They're looking at making upgrades, efficiencies. How do I make more product? How do I make product for cheaper? Um, how do I, how do I deliver on time? How, how do so many things that go into manufacturing that when you're in school, you might have some classes that are separate and everything works out perfectly. But in the real world, there is minimal downtime. There, there are requirements we have to meet, deadlines we have to meet. And I'm over here connecting all the dots on how we can support the customers, how we can find the solution for them to get them to where they need to be. And, and sometimes it's, sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's really difficult. And a lot of what I do is I call it internal selling, convincing people inside of my organization that we need to support this customer and we need to commit to an earlier timeline for X, Y, and Z reasons. Um, and, and some of that might be strategic. Some of them might be like, Hey, they need this and they, they've spent X amount of dollars with us. So we, we have, we owe them this. Um, and outside it's really building relationships, understanding what the customer's facing today and what they're going to be facing in one year, two years, five years, and how we can provide solutions and partner with them to help them with, uh, with their manufacturing process as a whole. Pretty cool. So, and you've been doing this for a, for a couple of years now, right? Yeah. So, so I started, uh, January, 2018 and we're in 2020 now. So it's, it's almost been two and a half years. The first nine months is, is training. They kind of get your feet wet by giving you a few, uh, I'm going to call them tester accounts. Yeah. And you do, you do some cold calling, you set up meetings. Um, but the, the accounts at the moment don't spend. Um, a lot of money. So Rockwell is like, this is a good opportunity for you to learn. And if you can develop one of these accounts and have a good opportunity, that's going to be really good. You're going to take them from cold calling to setting up meetings, getting in the door, um, identifying potential projects, and then take them through the entire sales cycle. And, and I was able to do that with two of the customers. So I, I was super excited and happy about that. Uh, because what it feels like is, Hey, here are these accounts. Um, they, they, uh, they haven't really bought our stuff, but we need you to go in there and figure out what's going on. And as a new guy, you're just like, what? I, I, I just learned what some of our products are, uh, last week. And I was paying attention, I promise, but, you <laughs> but know, you, I don't know everything. <laughs> 
I think that sometimes in those cases they're like, well, let the new guy take a stab at it. You know, throw some throw some new energy to at it and see see if it see if it works out. But uh, so hey, so 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 some of this, like you said, cold calling and and building relationships, right? I know it's it's it, there's it's sales engineering, right? But you also have a technical element. But I want to focus on uh, on that, like coming out of school and getting into a situation where you're like cold calling a customer. Uh, for an engineer isn't necessarily the most natural thing. So how were you ready for that? Or what um, was that like initially? Sorry, I feel like we're sitting in an interview right now and I want to just jump to the star method. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, so, so to me, a lot of the cold calling and the customer engagement and that all, that all came down to what they, what do they need and how can I help? It? That, that's what it fundamentally comes down to, to me. Yeah. What do they need and how, how can I help? And to me, this is almost fundamental to what I've been doing in ship for so long now. So it's like, okay, let me listen to the members. In this case, let me listen to my customer. And, and he's going to, he's going to give me a tour of his plant. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to be friendly. I'm going to, I'm going to try to get him on my side. And once I take this tour, I'm going to ask questions. Some of the questions, might to him be obvious, um, but to me, I really don't know, and I, and I need to learn more about his operation so I can make these suggestions. And then I'll make suggestions to him. Hey, what about if we could do this? What about if we could uh, move this part to over here? How about if you were more efficient on your energy usage? Uh, and, and what about if we could reduce scrap? Like all these random questions, and and they might have thought about it, they may not have thought about it. But the idea is, let me show, and and which I do, let me show that I care, let me show that I'm engaged, let me show you that I'm paying attention. And with that, I'm going to start to build that trust with you. So when I do come back and say, hey, look, I took all your information, went to my domain experts, my specialist, and, and I discussed it. And, and, and I know I'm the new guy, but they, they came back with one of these ideas and I thought it could work here. What do you think? So, so to me, it's like this process that I've been doing for so long that it comes naturally. Yeah. Um, I, I've talked to some of my coworkers. And they're like, how are you doing this? How are you, how are you convincing customers to do this? And I'm, whoa, guys, I'm not, I'm not convincing them to do anything. This is a, this is a trust relationship that I've built. And a lot of it is, is discussion. And I might throw the first idea out there, but they're going to edit that and say, we can't do that because of this, but we like where you're going. What about if you guys were able to do this? And then, and then to me, that's like, okay, you just opened the door. You just swung the door open. So now I'm on the right path. Now let's figure out exactly what the solution you're looking for is. Plug it in, and we can go from there. Yeah, because so, what, so, I mean, what you're not selling, right? You're not selling that magical set of knives that can, you know, cut, uh, allegedly cut through bricks, and you're not really, really, you know, liable if it doesn't cut through a brick or saw a car in half, right? You're, you're selling some real deal solutions for huge companies. There's, you know, there's can be safety implications and stuff. So. I mean, I imagine, I mean, it's, it's sales, but it's not like the used car salesman techniques are going to kind of work out for you, huh? Right. And if you were implementing those, I would, I would want to walk away immediately because so that's like the last thing um, that I want to be seen as. Yeah. I, I want to be seen as, hey, William's, William's engaged. William understands my business. He, he knows what I'm trying to get to. And because of that, I'm going to listen. To what he's presenting to me. So how you, um, me, you mentioned like coworkers? Do you use how do you use some of these techniques? Or, or maybe maybe I'm kind of fishing a little bit here to see how you think about it. But how do you use these techniques internally? Or is it different with how you deal with people outside as the as that customer that's you know that's out there? 
Uh, do you do you deal differently with some of your internal coworkers? So, okay, so I want to answer this. I want to say correctly in the sense of the way I really do it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and overall, I, I am definitely a friendly person, um, and, and I'm the kind of guy that I'm going to trust you until I have a reason not to. So, if you work here at Rockwell, we're good, we're friends, and, and we're gonna we're all on the same team. So, definitely working with my with my co uh, my coworkers, winning them over, and and genuinely taking an interest in in their lives, like. One of my one of my coworkers that I asked probably ten to twenty technical questions a week. Yeah. He's a a domain expert. He's got a a wife. He's got two kids. Um, he's a a Boy Scout troop leader. Like I get it, I learn all of that stuff, and I, I genuinely care. Um, he he's got a uh, a brisket sale coming up in July, and I just asked him like two days ago. Hey Justin, how do how do I how do I buy some brisket? I'm ready to to buy the brisket. I'm ready to support the Boy Scouts. Like I, I genuinely care about my coworkers. I want them to know that I'm engaged, and, and I want them to know that if they need me, I'm there, and I'm hoping to get the same support back. Because at the end of the day, I see it as we're one team, and we're all going to either succeed or fail together. Yeah, no, and so, so and, and so that and, and kind of what I was asking. Uh, no, and and that's exactly the the what I what I would suspect you would say, right? That there's there's some elements that kind of cross, but so so I see a lot of times a, a brand new engineer who struggles with the concept of the internal customer, right? And thinking who's your customer inside? Like it might not be an external, but there's still some other departments that you're trying to work with that uh, you guys work for the same company, but you know you have you're in a a, a uh, well I'll say a service type role. Right. Uh, versus uh, one that uh, that that might be, you know, uh, higher up in the in the progression of important organizations. Right. In within in, internally within a company. And I've seen new engineers struggle with that concept of understanding uh, why it's important to think about, quote unquote, customer service with dealing uh, with some other departments sometime. Right. Or that also goes to, hey, you got to understand kind of like the hierarchy and the. Uh, and maybe that's not the right word, but just the the breakup and the makeup of the different departments and who's trying to do what and who's accountable for for what, right? And and, and so I work in a plant, so you might have say the different units that are making the actual product and and who have all the operators. Well, engineering and inspection, which is where I started, well, that's a service uh, department, right? We're providing a service to that unit to make sure that they are able to make what they do. But at the end of the day, that other department is responsible for production and, and safety and meeting, you know, pounds and, you know, government regulations. So maybe they have a higher stake in the game. And I, if I can provide my service a more streamlined, then it benefits me later whenever they have to talk about me and how I help them and in turn uh, helps uh, progress my career. Anyways, I told you we were going to get off on tangents, didn't I? <laughs> no, 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 you're fine. You're fine. Um, and... So, so when you're, when you're talking about this, I'm over here thinking the most important thing in being successful at well, internal selling, uh, and you're working with your coworkers is understanding how they get metrics. And, and you, you kind of hit it right on the head. Um, you, you want to, you need to support the equipment. You need to make sure that standards are being followed, that safe, that safety is being followed, that everything is being implemented as the either law or organizations like OSHA. 
are either recommending or implementing for you to follow. But then production, they, they care about it. But the idea is, hey, your guy's job is to produce product. And they're heavily metric on that. So to go back and say, hey, this is why we didn't produce product, sometimes is not the most valid argument. Um, and at Rockwell, where we see, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it clash. And, and this is where we need the collaboration and the discussion internally. Um, manufacturing for us, because we also do manufacturing. We also manufacture. We don't only support manufacturers. We do our own internal manufacturing. Um, they want to sell the product as, as high as possible. That's their, that's their, their goal. And, and we as salespeople are not metric by how high we sell. We are, we do have a portion of our compensation that is incentive. But it's not by how how you sell. It's by how successful we are in working with the customers, in finding solutions, in, in moving the company forward. So so right there, we have a clash of like, hey, if I know that for me and Rockwell and my team to win this project, we need to bid at a, at a lower margin. I need to figure out how to convince the guys who want to sell it high that, hey, look, this is the best interest for the company, for the for the customer, and for our team. And here, here are the facts. Here's the strategy. And I have to lay all of this out to them. Um, to get their, their, their green light, we'll call it to say, okay, William, we, we see what you're doing. We see where the strategy is going. We see why you're wanting to sell at these margins. And, and you have, you have our trust and, and you have our approval. So, so I think the first thing I would think, like tell someone, make sure you understand how that person's metric. Um, how they're, they're thinking, what's important to them? What are, what are their key performance indicators coming down from, from their management? And, and sometimes you're, you're dealing with people that are, are much higher on the, the, the food chain or the totem pole yeah. than you are. Like I'm, I'm over here selling stuff internally, not even to my customers. Um, on people that are reporting either one or two levels under VPs. And in my head, I'm like, I really hope this goes well, because if it doesn't, I know a VP is going to hear about it. And that's bad for, for my reputation and, and for my rep. And I'm like, I got to keep that rep up. I got to, I got to stay positive. I, I want everyone to, to, to make sure that I'm, I'm a hustler. I'm getting, I'm getting work done. I'm doing good work for Rockwell. So, so that's what I want to present forward. Yeah. So, so, so to the point, right, there's a lot more to it than just what, you know, managing a work list and checking every, you know, uh, item off of your to do list. Look, so I want to I want to make sure that we talk about a couple of other things. And I kind of wanted to 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 see how how has uh, this uh, COVID-19 way of life been for you, man? Right. Um, so, so at first. I think this started maybe mid March, early, early March. Um, at first, uh, all my customers were like, no big deal. Don't worry about it. And, and I was actually going into customers probably, uh, into the third week of March and they had some protocols I had to sign, uh, commit and confirm that I had not had interactions with, uh, people from, from Europe or, um, citizens of China due, due to where the, it all started. So to me, I was like, oh, this is another safety precaution. That doesn't feel too weird. And my, my work was still normal. I was still able to go into the office. But as time progressed and uh, the government got involved and companies started taking responsibility, it was like, all right, we need to keep our people safe across the board. Um, so I went straight into working from home. Um, and for someone who recently graduated from college, 
my office is my my room. Like I I get up for my meetings and I shower, brush my teeth, do all the normal stuff. And half the time I get dressed as if I was going to a customer. Half the time I get dressed if I was just going to hang out. And I, I jump in my chair, literally three feet from my bed, and I st- and I start working. Um, <laughs> yeah, I laugh because I laugh because that's the same kind of setup I have, right? Except I haven't been as diligent as you as getting dressed like I'm going into into campus. But uh, anywho, keep going. I, I mean, and, and sometimes it's funny because sometimes I'll be like, all right. I want to, I want to wear the polo shirt to wear to go into a, a plant. So a collared shirt, and, but then I'm wearing shorts. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, I, I can never go into a customer like this. Um, Wait, so are you yeah. doing the, are you doing it because you got to get on video calls and you're doing the whole like anchorman thing where, you know, below the waist, uh, you're wearing boxers and above the waist, you're, you're all business. Is that why you're doing it? <laughs> <laughs> so, so sometimes yes. And sometimes not. So sometimes I'm just like, what if? Somebody calls me and they want to get on virtual. And it's very uncommon for a customer to ask me yeah. uh, to get on uh, on video. I think it's happened once in the past eight weeks. Um, I think it's more common for me to propose, hey, let's have a video conference while I explain uh, the solution that we're looking to provide okay. to your plan. So always being ready. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so part of it is always being ready. But some, some days you're just like, no, nah, very unlikely today. We're just going to we're just going to do normal, William. And T-shirt with uh, some stem or some chef or, or something on it. That's good. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so working from home, I've actually gotten busier than I was previously. Really? Um, yeah. And, and I think it's a, it's a combination of things. So, so one, uh, everyone knows that I'm working from home because everyone else is also working from home. So, so before, and I don't want to say it's an excuse, but I'm going to say, it was reasonable for me to say, Hey, I'm driving right now because I had to go to my customers. Let me call you back or let me get to that email when I get back to the office or when I get back to my home office. And internally and externally, people would completely understand that and they would say, No problem. But now that everyone's working from home, I will send an email and get a reply because my customers are also working from home within minutes, 15, 20 minutes, which is <laughs> way different from before where I was getting replies one, two, three, four days at a time. Um, so it, it, it's been, it's been a shift in the sense of now everyone needs you and everyone's looking for replies urgently. And I can tell you like, uh, Thursday, I was on phone calls until six between internal and external. And then I was actually doing prep work for Friday. Um, and, and I was raised, my parents, my parents worked five, six, seven days a week. Um, so to me, it's never been weird to say, okay, I need this work. Let's, let's get it done. Um, so I've, I've never had an issue of staying late. Yeah, I am on like one of my, one of my screens has maybe YouTube playing something on the side. And then my other two screens, my monitors have work going on and, and I'm still managing all of this, but in my head, I'm like, no problem, no problem. Let's get this done. And, and I think that's just part of who I am. So to me, I am allowing it to to keep me busy and to make sure my customers are still getting the service they need. Um, I've had some of my friends tell me, Hey, you know, five o'clock, five fifteen hits, I'm going to check out and I'll get to it tomorrow. And, and I, I just can't do that. I just can't do that. I've, I'm like, what? I've always been 24 seven for ship. I've always been 24 seven for like school and I've always been 24 seven for work. This, this COVID thing is just another layer on top of that. And I'm going to continue to work. So, so is part of that though. So let's, let's dig into that. Is that uh, just the way that you operate or are you trying or do you feel like 
you're obligated to do that. Otherwise, there's some negative consequence because of it. Because there is a difference. Like, what's your yes, motivation sir. behind being that 200 percent? And, and I, I wouldn't say it's 200 percent. I would put it at a maybe a, a steady 110. OK. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I don't think I'm, I'm scared of the negative consequences. Wash. I can't think of the word right now. Consequences. Uh, consequences. Yeah. I can't. Uh, I don't think it has anything to do with negative consequences. Um, I think more it's my responsibility is to my customer, and and I want to make sure that they know that they're supported. Yeah. Um, I picked up a call at two in the morning to get an update on where some equipment was that was moving from Canada to Alabama, and I, I like you know it's one of those things where you see the phone call and you know what it's about already. And you're like, okay, wake up, wake up. <clears throat> hello, hello. Okay, I'm ready. Uh, hello, Carlos. How can I help you? And you know, you already know what he's gonna say. Yeah. And and you take it, and then you say, give me five minutes. I'll give you an update. And luckily, my office is my bedroom. I jump out of my bed, jump on the computer, get an update, give him a call back, and hey, uh, just to confirm, we're good to go, and we will have the package arriving by noon tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and, and and that's just how I am. I'm totally normal. I've had coworkers say you're crazy dude you're crazy um like to me it's not a hey i'm gonna get in trouble if i don't do this or my manager is gonna be upset with me i actually have a super cool manager and he probably thinks that i i do too much beyond the work hours like uh, i think if, if he knew that i was doing stuff on the weekends for work he'd be like what are you doing man just you know breathe take time for yourself which which I do, but my view of like work life balance is a little different from what I think is out there. Yeah. So see, and, and that's, and that's the, what I tried to, to, was trying to get it hone in on when I said, Hey, there's a difference, right? Cause I've been on some forums where they're, they kind of, you know, management will do like a pulse check and they all get us online and, and we kind of have this, uh, have you ever heard of Slido? No. What is that? So, so Slido, it's just a way that you can do like anonymous questions, right? And so you can you can ask questions and and these uh, different leaders will kind of go through them. And one thing that there was a pocket of folks that were like, you know, felt an anxiety about, well, like just the, the exact same things that you said that that now make you work more. But but uh, are the same things that these people are quoting, but like they feel anxious about like, well, now they know that I'm that I'm that I'm not, uh, you know, uh, uh, that I am available and that I'm at home and I should reply fast because if I don't, they're going to come back and say, well, wait a minute, you're working from home. And they build this, this entire like anxious feeling and, and these, and these consequences that just aren't going to happen. Cause in reality, we're all going through this and all of all management knows, right. And for the most part, they, they understand that there's adjustments that have to happen. Now, I would say if you were working for one of these companies, we're like, no, man, my manager seriously told me like, hey, you need to be at your computer for every bit of nine to five because we know you're at home. I would say, hey, man, is that really the place that you want to keep working at? <laughs> right. Because I, right. think, I think all the the better places of employment, like it sounds like Rockwell's that way. Certainly my experience with ExxonMobil has been that way where it's like, man, we are all trying to figure it out. So if you're like if you're going to be anxious about something, let it be about your family. Let it be about you know, your kids, let it be about your health. Like it shouldn't be about the number of hours that you're working and how fast you have to answer an email. So anyways, that's why, and, and I know you by your personality, like 
you like being at 110% and, and, it, as, and I'm okay with that. And I tell people, like when people say, hey, I always question like, do you feel any kind of guilt or remorse about it? Or are you unhappy with what you're operating? I know that you're not, William. But because uh, if you were, then that would be a problem, right? And we'd say, hey, you kind of have to really reevaluate uh, evaluate what you're doing. So, anywho, but yeah. a lot. No, no, I totally agree, and and I think people, I think there, there's like so my 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 view on it is that there's different uh, mentalities for what people want. So like mm-hmm. I am very happy with being on, and when I say on, is that I'm available ish for work twenty four seven. Like I'm I'm okay with that, but I'm also there's an understanding between me and my my manager of if I need to do something and it's going to be family or personal, I'm going to be able to go take care of that. And, and I don't have to tell them, hey, I'm, I'm going to the dentist or yeah. I, need, I need to go translate for my parents um, on this phone call. Like none of that ever comes up. I just tell them I put a, a block in my calendar and it shows I'm busy. I, I have something scheduled. He doesn't know if it's with a customer. He doesn't know if it's personal. He doesn't know if it's internal, but he, but I don't get questioned. And the the culture is, you have a job to do, take care of it, and and do it at whatever times you need to do it. And as long as you're doing it, and you're you're asking the right people for support, and and you're reporting back to us that the job is being taken care of, we're we're cool with that. And in my mind, I'm like, that's awesome. That is awesome. Like if I if I need to type up emails at ten o'clock because I needed to go to first robotics. Um, on Tuesday and Thursday because I wanted to go volunteer from 4 o'clock to 5.30, that's a personal decision I get to make versus having to be in a seat somewhere and making sure I'm, I'm somewhere 9 to 5 or 8 to 5. So so to me, those are personal decisions that I am okay with. Yeah, and look, and we can go on a whole tangent about work flexibility oh, yeah. and what are your benefits and consider all that before you get a job, but I'm going to go ahead and digress. So let's talk, <laughs> let's talk about... Uh, uh, you know, we talked about you and working from home and what that's been like. Let's let's let let's uh, talk about the personal aspect, man. You've been able to get your fair share of toilet paper and hand sanitizer. What about uh, on the personal front? You good? Oh man, uh, so so absolutely have enough toilet paper and hand sanitizer. Thanks for <laughs> for asking. <laughs> uh, on the personal side, I think so. It, it's been it's been different. So uh, friends of mine have actually left Houston. And gone home. They've gone to to where their parents live, and and I, in my mind, I'm like, it's a great time to do that. Um, if you if you want to go home, spend time with family. You everyone's working from home. If you uh, if you have run over by your manager and he says, okay, it's good to go, I, I think that's great. Yeah. Um, I decided to stay in Houston. Uh, this is a personal decision, and it was like, okay, if somebody does need me, I'm gonna show up with all the PPE. I'm gonna have all the the personal protective equipment. But I'm going to go be able to support. And, th- and again, this is just me. This is who I am. Um, but on the, my friends and social life, social life has, has gone down to zero in the sense of going out, um, like I used to, uh, whether that be to play soccer, volleyball, uh, go out on a Friday and Saturday night to either a venue or, or all of that social stuff that we are used to experiencing. Yeah. Has, has come to a complete halt. Um, but I think what's taken its place is, I have a lot of good friends from college and we, we we're putting on zoom calls. And I have one of my buddies that we've, we've traveled together and I've actually gone to Honduras where he's from and stayed with his family over there. And we've actually been playing call of duty, uh, like every day for at least one or two hours. And while we're playing, like we're talking and, you know, we're catching up. So like 
I'm over here appreciating the time I am getting with my with my close friends that he lives in Atlanta, I live in Houston. Like we don't we don't talk every day on the normal. We got we got so many things going on with life. But now it's like you can't go out, William, you can't go play soccer, you can't go play volleyball, you can't go to hang out with these friends at a brewery. And I'm like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to someone, I'm gonna have some friends. So it, it's just changed. I, I I definitely miss going out and enjoying Houston and enjoying all my friends that I have here. Um it's just changed and to me it's like all right this is part of life uh this is a safety thing not only for me but for the community and 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 i'm in i'm in whatever we need to do i'm in did you at any point like deal with any kind of uh uh, like anxiety like what the heck's going on and not really know what you were going to do throughout any of this or have you been pretty even keeled oh i think overall i've been level-headed the only (laughs) The only part where I was like upset is, uh, I had a, a, a trip planned, but two things. I mean, two things. I had a trip planned to Puerto Rico with, uh, 32 friends and we had to cancel that. Um, but that happened. And then I was actually upset because the first robotics, uh, competition got canceled for the spring semester. So mm-hmm. I have a team that I support at Mickey Leland, uh, college prep and they had just competed in their first competition. And this is early March, but after that competition, the following week, first announced, hey, due to safety, we have to cancel the whole season. Um, we hope to see you guys in the fall. Right. And, and to me, I was like, no, I'm over here working with the kids. They're working on the robot. We got to compete. We got to get them in there. And and that was probably more upsetting than anything else. Um, the work stuff and, and the social stuff, it, it's different, but it, it's not upsetting. Like, Luckily, I'm still able to work. I, I have a job where I can still connect with my with my customers, my clients. I have a job where I can connect remotely. Like I, I am lucky that manufacturing is important, and we're still able to support that industry, those different industries. Yeah, that's the um, truth for sure. Look, and I, the reason <laughs> the reason that I ask is because you know, and I've been asking this to different friends and different people that I talk to. Because like for me, so when this whole thing started, so I, let's just say it was mid March, right? Because that that timing feels about right. That third week in March. Like I was on uh, vacation. So that was our, I had done something that I'd never done, like rented an RV and took the whole family. We were out in West Texas and New Mexico and staying in national parks. And like, even if I wanted to stay connected, I couldn't, right? Like there was bad signal. And on the way, the very last day of the uh, trip, we stayed, uh, we went up to Fredericksburg, which is not too far from here. And we, yeah. we, we stayed there. And then I started to like, you know, I started texting with my brother and he's like, hey, man, it's crazy. Like, you know, people are buying toilet paper like it's going out of style and, <laughs> and you can't get food and, and, and people are, you know, it, you, you, uh, you got to get back. Not, not you got to get back, but hey, have you thought about this when you get back? And so my wife, Alyssa, like she's I mean, she's a meeting planner, first of all, by by profession. So whenever we leave on vacation, dude, like the fridge is empty. Like, we're not going to get back to a bunch of food that we, you know, and she does that on purpose. So we literally got back to like no groceries. Uh, And so that night, like it was a Saturday and I said, well, let me go out. Like, I'm hearing it's crazy. Like, let me go see what it's like. And, and, And part of this, I think, and maybe it was impactful for me. Again, I had driven all day, so I'm already tired. And then I go to HEB after driving from Fredericksburg to Houston and then, uh, I go into HEB here by my house and I'm like, holy smokes, like what's going on? And there's just people like, 
Like, I mean, it was like people, some people were walking around like lost. Right. And right. I, I managed to get, you know, there was still some, there was still some, like, I guess maybe there wasn't chicken, but there was plenty of steak and I'm blessed enough that I can buy steak. Right. And so, right, right. <laughs> and, and so I was able to, to, to get food and there was like, you know, wipes and, uh, you know, we had, uh, we, we had heard about this and that was another thing. We did stop at the uh, Walmart in Fredericksburg and picked up toilet paper in the RV. So anywho, so I had, <laughs> I had, I had some things, but like that initial, like my initial reaction was a little bit anxious, like, okay, this is going to be completely different. And then when we started talking about, uh, working from, uh, working from home and with my role, I was like, how's that going to work? And so I have, uh, it's, I'm in, the, I'm at headquarters. I just went over to headquarters here in Houston, which is why I moved here a year ago. And so my role, like my manager, there's base, I'm basically in a developmental role, right? So I support him, him and what he does, uh, as the, uh, he's pretty much the guy that carries the message and, and is, is the one that speaks for, for the two of us in a sense in meetings and stuff. And so when the entire like energy chemicals business and, 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 you know, refining gas business went upside down overnight, like he was the one that was in there, like fighting the fires. And I'm just kind of on the side, like, okay, what's going to be my part in this? Right. And so where do I get your bucket of water? Yeah, exactly. Like when do I, what do I do? Exactly. And so by the time, you know, I actually figured out kind of what I was going to do, like about a week passed. And, 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 and it was just, it was very, uh, it was very different, you know, like I couldn't do what I normally did. I was, I felt like I was out of the loop. So even professionally, like that had been the first time that I had actually dealt with, uh, something like that. So I, I maybe, I, I think I don't want to overplay it. Like it, it wasn't like anxious is the only word that comes to mind. Right. I wasn't like distraught and like, you know, crying all day or anything like that. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it was different. You know, it was a comp- I, and I, I think the fear, like the, or the fear, the potential for the fear comes from, I work at headquarters. Am I overhead? Like, am I something that the company is going to need to trim? Like that, that, that would be my thought. If I was sitting in your shoes, like I want to support, I want to do this, but if, if it's that bad, are they going to be cutting yeah. count? Like, and, and that what? was a conversation that I had. And I, I think, look, and I work in a, in a, in a, in a good place. I wasn't worried about like losing my job, but just losing this role. Right. And I said, well, dang, I put a year into it. Like, cause I told Alyssa, I was like, if I was in charge, I know what I would do. <laughs> right. <laughs> With my position. Right. Like that's exact. Like if I look at my department and so anyways, so yeah, that kind of, kind of went into, into the, into the mix a little bit, but I, anywho, that's what happens when you have a lot of time in your hands, I suppose. Right. I guess so. But, but it, it's, it's, it's interesting because, so I support the manufacturers. Directly. So the, what I call end users are these customers that are, are producing or one of them produces oil. One of the, I have two midstream companies I support. Um, I have petrochemical refineries. I have actually the city of Houston for wastewater is one of my customers. So like I, I have a interesting assortment of customers and all the projects that I had ongoing are still ongoing. So, so in my mind, I'm over here like, I think we're good. Let me figure out why everyone's freaking out. And as I was digging into it, it looked like the real issue was that the, con- the level of consumption was almost cut in half. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure the U.S. consumes 20 billion barrels of oil, whether it be for manufacturing or for transportation or for some consumption of one way or another. 
and we, we were close to 10. So now we have this oversupply of oil and that's what was creating this surplus and this price fluctuation. Um, from everything I've looked at, I, I think we are going to be on a path to getting back to normal if, if we're only worried about the oil. If, if COVID is, is a whole nother thing and those two together, I think it's unpredictable. Yeah. But if, if we're saying, Hey, here's the oil, I think that's, that's that. So, so to me, I'm over here thinking, and, and I don't know if this is just me. I'm over here thinking, all right, what do my customers need? How can I support? <laughs> so yeah. I'm over here trying to figure out what's going on over there. Because I mean, my fear, similar to yours of like losing headcount is, um, is my customer's project not going to survive this? Are they going to, are the project going to get cut? And then that's going to affect, uh, my, my customer and my compensation and my ability to be able to sell. So like, I, I think absolutely there's, validity in people thinking about this and and fearing it and i mean i've seen uh articles and statistics saying that there's people and i mean you can see the job loss claim and people look fighting for unemployment like it's crazy and again i'm over here like thank you that i'm able to support something that that is considered and, and i hate using this word essential but people do need the, the toilet paper like the fuel still needs to be produced yeah people still need water I live in Houston. Like Houston's a huge city, and we still need to be able to get clean water to everybody. So, like, I am, I am happy that I'm able to support this stuff. Oh, dude, look, we could go off on another hour-long tangent about the energy and what happened. And of course, when I said, well, you know, what's my place? The last, uh, you know, month has been around. What's my job in in the base is like I'm a feedstock optimizer for for all North America chemical plants, right? So it's figuring out what the heck are we going to use as feedstock, and you know, I tell folks, hey. We can make plastic out of a variety of hydrocarbons. It just depends which is the cheapest. And when crew right. was doing what it was doing, I, look, and I have learned so much in this during this time about how markets work and the flexibility of our plants. And so it's been great from a developmental, which is the intention of the role. But uh, it took me, uh, like I said, a good solid week before I was able to see the, uh, I guess what I'll say, the 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 silver lining in, in what was happening, right? And really taking the opportunity to learn something about more about the industry and, and figuring out, like, I like what you said, like, at what point do I toss my bucket of water? So, so it's, it's been great. Look, I want to, I'm looking at the time and I want to make sure that we talk about a couple of things. So I'm going to, I'm going to move us to a different topic, right? So part of this audience is, uh, is students uh, in engineering and, and young professionals. So I kind of, I want to kind of get your thoughts uh, and I'm going to do it instead of piecemealing it. We can just, I'll kind of ask and see, and we'll see where the conversation goes. But look, we have right now a set of brand new engineers or about to be or, or hopeful engineers that are dealing with something that you and I as professionals uh, maybe can or cannot help them with. Right. Because it's brand spanking you. We've never dealt with this and, and we're going to learn it together. And what I'm talking about is this idea of of uh, virtual internships, but also I imagine that hiring, at least here in the short term, like if I was a May graduate and I'm trying to get a job, I'm having to job hunt in a virtual space. So what do you think? What's your thoughts on what some of the challenges that that are going to that these uh, that these folks are dealing with right now? So so, so it's, it's interesting and I'm, I'm going to break it up into the internships and and the full time. And, and I think that there are definitely skills and recommendations that align for both. Yeah. Um, but I'll see if there's anything that, that defines them separately and I need to separate out. But 
So for the internships, and you could also do this specifically for the full time. As you're rolling on, I always saw my first internship, especially if it was at a new company, as my first day at, at college or my first day at school, whether whichever year you want to pick. But it was like, okay, I want to make sure I make a good impression. I want to make sure that I am learning because I, I this is a good learning opportunity. I want to learn not only the company culture, but about my job. Um, and I think earlier we had talked about hierarchy. Like I want to learn the hierarchy. I want to learn how we do the stuff that we do. Like, so, so doing that virtually puts another layer of complexity to it, but I think you still want to achieve the, the same goals. So my recommendation, and I, and I have been recommending this to, to some of these young engineers is look, everyone is excited to have interns and to have, uh, new hires and like, for, for lack of better terms, um, you're, you're the shiny new toy. So it's very hard for people to say no to you. Like if you say, Hey, can I take 15 minutes off your calendar to talk about this? I just want to learn what your role does. They're like, uh, of course, absolutely. We, we want you to know what we do. We want you to learn. We want you to, to network. We want you to talk. Um, so, and, and I think it's one of these things that's, that's not always the, the go to for engineers of, yeah. Let me get outside of my comfort zone and let me reach out to somebody I know nothing about, but holds a title that looks important. Um, and, and I can tell you, I've, I've been put in situations, uh, like the first time I met, um, my CEO at Rockwell, uh, great guy, but I had never met him and I've only, I've only heard about him and somebody had told me he's, he's, he's very uh, charismatic. So I was like, all right, I was in the hallway. I'm going to go get some coffee. And he turns the corner and I'm looking down and I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is it. This, this is the CEO. This is the moment. What do I do? And like, you know, like th this is in, in my mind and I was still in sales training, the most important person in the company. I cannot upset this man because he can, he can fire me like Thanos and just snap his fingers. Uh, and, and I, I was like, Oh, no, no, no. I think I got it. I think I got it. And I'm in my head thinking and I come up, bring my head up. And I turn to him. We're walking in sync to this pod market to go get some coffee. He, he was getting his, his lunch that day. And I said, Hey, man, um, I've seen you all over the emails everywhere. What do you do around here? And he started laughing immediately and like inside internal sign of relief. <laughs> and <laughs> he started laughing and I put my hand out and I said, Hi, my name is William Gonzalez. I'm a new sales trainee. Please don't fire me. And then he, he like had another laugh come out and he shook my hand and he was like, where are you from? Where are you based? This is good. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to Houston, Texas. I'm from Florida. Uh, and like I said, please don't fire me. And, and it was a good, it was a good start to this conversation. Um, uh, and I, I get back to my sales training class and I'm like, guys, you'll never believe what happened. No, like nobody believed it. And I was like, I swear, I swear this is what happened. Um, and it was really good. And people have asked me, why'd you do that? Why would you do that? And I'm like, Hey, look, I brought my full self to work and like, I, I need to put myself out there. And I, I, I push others to, to do things like that. And I'm like, if you're going to do it, you got to commit, you got to commit. Um, and I, I think it's part of this confidence, but like when it comes to asking your manager, Hey, I know we're working virtually. What can I do? Or what, what would you have had me do if I was coming in? Normally. Okay. Okay. I understand. 
project, project, project. That one seems like a, a little difficult to do virtually. Can we come up with a plan to still do that? It sounds like you had plans for me to do that project. How do we still accomplish that goal? Or if the projects that you were going to do aren't feasible, offer a new project. Hey, can, can, what about this? What about that? And, and get feedback. I think that one of the biggest things companies want to see is your drive to learn. And, and this works for interns and full-time hires. Um, I've heard of companies in the Fortune uh, 100 and 500 that are still bringing on their new hires because they know this COVID thing is, is not here forever. Right. They know that one day we're, we're going to get back to, we're going to, I mean, I'm throwing air, air quotes up normal and I, I don't think it'll be the same. It'll be a much safer environment, but overall we're going to get back to normal and they're still going to need those employees. So, so they're bringing them on board. Go ahead. I was going to say, you said something in there before. I, I, I want to make sure that I dig into it. So you said, Hey, you know, you started pretending, right, that you were the intern. You're saying, hey, you have these projects and what did you have in mind for me before? Hey, can we still continue that? So to me, like you're hinting at have some awareness that there, it's not completely figured out on the other side, right? And leverage that and take advantage of that and see, you know, like highlight your flexibility and highlight your, your, your the innovation that you might have and your adaptability to situations by saying, you know, there, there's a, don't expect perfection, right? But also understand that it's a great opportunity and work with what you got, right? I think that's, that was kind of underlying a little bit in, in, in what, uh, in, in what you were, where you were saying. So. Absolutely. Um, and, and me being first gen, um, I hope there's some first gen students out there listening to this, but like, you've always had to work with what you got. And if, if you're first generation to college, whether, I don't care what ethnicity you're from. You could be any ethnicity. If you're first generation in college, you know that you've always had whatever you have and you're going to make it work. You got to bring that attitude into this internship. Hey, we're in a different environment. I need to adapt. What can I do? How can I support? What, what, what are their goals that I need to achieve? And, and I've had conversations with my management and when I was an intern at the beginning of the internship. And this, this came from one of my, my uh, mentors and he said, Hey, I don't think anybody's ever done this, but you should try to do it. And I was like, what is it? What is it? I'm ready. <laughs> and he's like, at the beginning of the internship, ask your manager what he's expecting of you for the whole summer. And, and he's going to lay out what he's expecting of you. And that's good. And, and he said, he said, I'm pretty sure most people get what they need to do. But then after he tells you that, ask him, now that I understand what good looks like, what would excellent look like? And set those goals and hit those goals. And I think, those are going to be those candidates that really stand out. And it's, if you're an intern, you're going to move into that, Hey, we need to hire this person, uh, list. And if you're a new hire, you're going to move quickly into networking or understanding your, your organization, understanding the business and, and these things that you might not see the clarity or the benefit today, but in a year or at the end of the internship or in two years. You're going to see why it was important to, to push forward early on. So, so um, because, go ahead. So I was going to say, what about the ones that are do that are still job hunting, right? So there's a crowd of people that graduated in May. The economy is completely upside down. And in some cases, some of these May graduates got offers rescinded, right? Like they were ready to grad, like a lot of us that do internships, you know, you get an offer before you even graduate. And, and, and for some folks that, that is no longer the case. So, 
what do you say or, or what are your thoughts about that uh, uh, to that uh, job seeker that's kind of in limbo right now? So, so I, I have a hard time answering this because my answer is very uh, rough. Uh, and, and I'm going to be honest. Uh, Manny, you know me. I'm pretty, pretty straightforward, pretty honest. That's what I'm counting um, on. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I am a big pusher of you're, you're going to put in the hours and you're going to get done to be where you want to be. Um, so to me, it's like, hey, the economy is rough right now. I get that. And you had a job lined up. I understand. Now I want you to start looking for another job. First week, let's let's look in the city you want to live in. There's there you you're applying, you're not hearing back. It's all right. You you tried the LinkedIn, you tried on your own. Now my recommendation would be okay, let's expand the search inside the US. Just inside the US, people looking for jobs. In my opinion, um before the COVID situation for STEM jobs and for engineering, there was already a lack of, of enough engineers to cover all the jobs across the country. Um, I have customers every day telling me, Hey, uh, we're losing this, this engineer because he is retiring and we don't know what we're going to do, um, for the next 10 years or the next five years, the next three years, the next year until we get somebody trained. Do you know anyone that's looking for a job? Like this stuff comes up every day and there's, there's a work work a skill gap and there, there's a gap in how many engineers are actually going out there. So I would, t- I would tell people be flexible, start looking for roles that you weren't traditionally looking for and, and go take one, two years and, and learn that industry, learn that business, uh, develop yourself in skill sets that you weren't expecting. Like if you were an industrial engineer and you were going to go work, um, at a plant as a, it's, let's call it a supply chain engineer or whatever you want to call it, Lean Six Sigma engineer to do efficiencies. And that got cut for whatever reason. Start looking at other roles. Um, like, in, and this is my personal opinion and preference. I think organizations have a hard time cutting sales roles because if I can't bring in money, I can't survive as a company. Yeah. Um, so, so in my ha- mind, even though all of this is going on, I'm like, okay, William Gonzalez, you need to continue to support your customers. You need to continue to bring in revenue and, and you're going to become important to the company. So, so I would be over here recommending to go outside your comfort zone. So, and look, and, 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 and when I first started hearing some, some commentary and so, you know, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn and I would hear some people talk about like, there's no jobs and, and, and the, and, and, the, and this, that, and the other. And I said, okay, my first impression, I was like, yo, I was like, look, there's always work. There's always jobs. Oh, yeah. and, and so, oh, yeah. and engineering is something that's very lucrative. Now, right now, I will admit, if you're a petroleum engineer, you're going to, ha- you're probably going to have to be the most flexible. But for, for, for the most part, right? Like I, I said, okay, let me, before I start popping off at the mouth, let me see if I can find a, a, any quality, you know, entry level or what I'll say like early experience, right? Because there's also people that have gotten laid off, right? That were one or two years. And, and sometimes when layoffs happen, some of the new folks get, uh, you know, might be, get furloughed or let go. So anywho, so I said, let me go on LinkedIn 
and do some job searches. And if you look at my, my, my thread on LinkedIn, I've been doing nothing but sharing, like reposting jobs that I find that when I read the description, I, I'm like, oh, this is a manufacturing job or this is a, a contact engineering role or this is a sales technical role. Like certain things that I, granted, I can read through the words and understand based on what they're wanting for requirements, the type of job that it is. I will admit that I have that maybe over a, a brand new college grad who might read it and it doesn't make sense. But the other thing that I found, it's not you're not finding the the big name brand companies out there. Right. Like you're not going to. And, and, and don't be surprised by that, maybe as because they tend to be some of the ones that are more significantly hit. Right. Uh, your, your, your big name companies are the ones that have uh, uh, that had big capital expenditures that when things got turned upside down, they had to cut versus that one. I'm not going to call it a mom and pop company, but a smaller company who really hasn't, you know, their mode of operation hasn't changed much other than work from home, but they also require engineers. Anyways, I'm seeing a ton of good starter companies that probably understand that now is the time for them to take advantage and that they even know that if they find somebody, they might not keep them around forever, but there's some mutual, uh, I guess, benefit in that. Point that I'm trying to make is that the jobs are out there, but it might not be at company ABC that you think is just the best thing since sliced bread, but you have to be flexible, you have to be adaptable, and you have to go get it, right? Because <laughs> uh, in hindsight, this, you know, the first one or two years, it's not, it, it, it'll, it'll pass by quick and maybe you're in a different position. So I'm looking at the time and I want to make sure that we cover this one last topic. So we're going to go over a little bit, but I want to make sure that I ask you this. Okay. <laughs> and we, and we talked no, no, about this you. and we talked about this before the call. William, you're a very confident person in the way that you talk. Uh, you, you I, I can tell that and, and that, that same confidence comes out like when you're, you're, you're selling and why it's, it's a good thing, right? When you're trying to build trust and stuff, but have you ever had to deal with understanding or making the adjustment between sending a message of confidence versus being cocky? So <clears throat> I learned about, and I'm just going to give an example. I learned about someone who, who uh, was not a fan of me. Um, after three years that we had known each other, um, this is back in college. Um, we went separate organizations. We had lived in the same, like, uh, pod, they called it. It's like the same floor at our dorm. And, and three years later, one of my friends was like, Hey, what did, what did you do to this person? She just really doesn't like you. <laughs> and I was like, what? We, we live in the same floor. We were, we were friends. I, I don't, I don't see the issue. And she had said, well, she, she says that you're all talk and, and you're not doing what you're saying you're doing. And I'm like, what? Like, you know me. And she's like, yeah, that's what I try to tell her that you're all, you're all about the people and you're all about Shep and, and all about helping. Um, and I was like, okay, I, I think I, I am seeing a difference now between people who, who can see visually what I'm doing and people who are just kind of hearing about it where, it's it's a difference in how I I kind of change how I engage with people. Like I, I don't come into a room saying, "Hey, I'm William Gonzalez, and I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread because of X Y Z reasons." That's never my mo. Like I I come in and, and I genuinely ask, "Hey, what's going on? Uh, do you need help? Do you need volunteers? Like 
how can I help? So I, I, I think always coming in from an angle of supporting and whether this be at work, um, a volunteer organization, but always being the team player. And, and, and you're, you're talking about my, my confidence and I'm over here in my head, like thinking leadership skills and teamwork skills. And sometimes I have to, even though I am confident, Manny, I have to, I'm going to, I'm going to use the word suppress my, my, uh, my need or wants to be a leader and say, Hey, the best move forward for the team here is for me to support the person who is currently leading or the person who's going to lead this opportunity the best. Um, and, and I think being seen as, and actually doing, not just seen, actually doing that and believing that is, is where you see the difference between, between cockiness and confidence. Yeah. Because I can, I, I can come into a room and I, and I can say, Hey, I, I've done this. I've done that. And you can turn that into, that's why I'm the best person to lead that. Or you can turn it into, I'm here to support. Where do you want me to plug in? And, and who, who can I, who can I support? Who can I, who can I report to? Who, who, who has any uh, need for information that I can share? And if not, don't worry about it. I'm, I'm going to sit over here, fly on the wall. And if you do need me in this meeting, I'm, I'll be able to put in my two cents. And if you don't need me, let me know when you do need me. And just kind of offering the support. So like, I, I think it, it's more than just how you deliver a message. It's, it's how you engage, how you act upon your words, how you do what you say you're going to do. Be, be a person of what you say. Uh, put your money where your mouth is. Yeah. Is, is, a, is a good expression for that. I think that. I, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. I, I'm going to, whether I have to lose sleep or spend money or commit time, I, I'm going to, I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to do it. And, and I'm okay with saying, I don't know, or I can't do it. See, and what I like what you said in there was that, Hey, you know, sometimes you got to ramp it up or ramp it down, right? And you got to know when you got to, you know, lead and when you got to follow. And, and so to, to me, that's the difference. Uh, like in addition to what you said, Hey, do, you know, be good for what you say, like I can do this, I can do that and then deliver on that, but also know when to turn it off and, and when or when to ramp it down. Because I think to me that is confidence versus cocky is maybe maybe they're good for it, but never know how to ramp it down and, and, and operate in a certain way at the expense of everybody else. Meaning they have this attitude of I am who I am. Deal with it. Right. You're not going to make exactly. I'm, not, I'm not saying that you're going to make everybody happy, but you got to understand that there's some finesse to it. Like you got to, you know, you have to get to know people and then bring all of you, which might, you know, is this high confidence and this high energy level. But but I, I like how the way you talked about it, about regulating it uh, versus just throwing it out there. And like I said, taking leaving nobody standing and everybody deal with me. You're going to like me, you're going to like me, or you're going to hate me, and I could get, and I could care less. That, to me, is not a, a healthy place to be in. So, look, William, uh, I want to thank, thank you very much for the time. Uh, we hit on a lot, and I know that we could have gone even way longer on some of these topics, and maybe we can uh, bring you back at some time and kind of go down a rabbit hole or two uh, with a couple of things. But before I leave, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you the last couple of words, I want you to tell everybody – where they can get a hold of you if they have any 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 questions or want to connect with you or want to follow up with any questions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so so first of all, I'd like to say thank you, Manny, for having me, and, and thank you for anyone who has uh, listened to me. I'm going to use the word, for lack of a better word, uh, rant and give you what I believe is the William 
uh, truth. And if you do want to know more, connect, I am all about um, connecting. I actually hosted a workshop um, not too long ago on financial industry and actually followed up with three 30-minute conversations with two students and one professional. So, I hey, if you're, if you're available after 5 p.m., let's get together and talk. And if you have any questions, I'm happy to support. Um, so the easiest way to get a hold of me is going to be LinkedIn. Um, and you can go search William Gonzalez and... I, I have my set picture right there right now, but if you, if I change that picture, if you can't find me, uh, my LinkedIn, I think it's URL is the way they call it, is W Gonzalez, and that's uh, with a Z at the end, the number one, and you just put that in, and you'll be able to find me. And I'll make sure and yeah. add it to to the show notes too, uh, so that they can get a hold of you. Cool, man. Thanks again for the time, man. Perfect. Hey, thanks for having me, Manny. If you need anything, let me know. <laughs>